0: And welcome to episode four of The Fox Hunt, Vixens by the Numbers, your weekly deep dive into the numbers that matter when it comes to Super Netball side, the Melbourne Vixens. This podcast is brought to you by Deakin, home to the world's number one sports science school. My name's Erin Delahunty. I'm a freelance journalist who reports on netball for a bunch of different outlets, including Fox Netball this season. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners on the land which we're on today. I'm coming to you from Shoal Bay in New South Wales, the lands of the Warramai people. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. You all know what this podcast is about by now blending the feel of what happens on court in Super Netball, uh, with the Vixens in particular, with what the cold, hard facts tell us. Say it with me it's the real versus the feel. And to analyse every Vixens game, I have the genius that is Dr. Aaron Fox from Deakin to call on. Aaron is a lecturer in Applied Sports Science and Research Methods and a Sports Data and visual Visualisations Superstar. To take a look at the Vixens' fourth straight win this season against West Coast Fever last Tuesday and that shock loss to the Sunshine Coast Lightning on Saturday, here's Aaron, who's coming to us from Wadawangland. Land. Wow, Aaron. Two games, but two very different results.
1: Yeah, it certainly felt like an up and down week for the Vixens in what I felt were almost like two stereotypical sporting clashes. We had top of the table epic followed by a classic danger game that went the wrong way.
0: Absolutely. Look, it's hard to believe we have such contrasting results to to dissect, but let's start with the good, the 75-66 win over the Fever that saw the Vixens at the top of the ladder, albeit just for a couple of days it was a real full court four quarter performance from the vixens in this one i thought with a very special game from defender liv lewis um, against her old side fever what did you make of the game aaron
1: yeah, so I'll, I'll start with my feel of the game. Uh, it felt like everything just went right for the Vixens in this one and no matter what was thrown at them, things just seemed to keep going in their favour and they stayed on top on the scoreboard um, across the match.
0: Did have that magic feeling, I thought that too. So what were the key numbers that stuck out to you, Aaron? When Super Shots landed seemed to be pretty key to me. Was that right?
1: Yeah, like if you look at this... Game statistically overall, it was a pretty tight one. Um, No real major standouts in certain categories. But like you say, when you look at the timing of certain things uh, and when they occurred in the match, I think this played a big part in how the match unfolded. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned super shots there. In the first half, it was Vixens dropping seven to the Fever's one. And in the second half, the Vixens just had one to the Fever's six. So when you look at that overall, um, it kind of evens out. But the facts that they had that big first and second quarter and were able to push the lead out probably kind of changed the way the game played out for the rest of the, the match.
0: Yeah, look, the psychology of those super shots is really interesting too, isn't it? When they sort of go in, I think sometimes you can see the other team, the shoulders sort of drop and then the converse can happen if you're making a comeback and you can see them starting to get those double points that we know we can get in those last five minutes.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, um, and seeing the fever with like uh, sort of leading the super shots in that second half, there, it, it can probably tell you how it really threw them out of their game because it's not something that they do too often. They they don't go for those, um, and you know it takes away from their main scoring avenue of Fowler, mm-hmm. which we'll probably get to later. Uh-huh. Uh, some other key numbers that we spoke about though. Uh, last week was keeping the Fever under 70 for their total score. Um, and you know this is the first time that happened in the season. It was the first loss for the Fever. So perhaps a trend that they're maybe not too happy with continuing. Uh, the Vixens were once again really efficient and slightly more efficient relative to their opponent in this one. So centre pass to goal percentage was 80 to 73% in the Vixens' favour. Their gains to goal percentage was 80%, 64% in the Vixens' favour, and the Fever were plus four against the Vixens in unforced turnovers. Um, so that continued Vixens' efficiency coming out again. Um, something that did stick out a little bit, though, was the Vixens were perhaps flirting with danger a little bit in this match. The Fever had 23 deflections and only 16 of these uh, or 16 of these were with no gain. So only seven, def- seven gains coming from deflections there. And so... That's a big amount and if the fever had have converted a few more of those to actual gains, it could have really turned the game a bit.
0: That's mm, say that about ungained deflections, if that's the right way to say, it, it's a really key one to me as well. It felt like fever probably had their chances but just didn't quite, um, weren't quite able to sort of take enough of those those um, chances and as we mentioned at the top to my eye new vixen olivia lewis really did a spectacular job on janeel fowler who of course she would have trained against while at the fever but i have a feeling you're going to tell me that my feel doesn't necessarily show up in the stats aren't you
1: yeah well i talked about stereotypical matches at the start of the podcast today this was a real stereotypical defensive performance that didn't really show up on the stat sheet um i think everyone would agree that she was probably best on court. Uh, but from a statistical perspective, like pretty underwhelming. Like yeah. you look across the stat sheet and aside from the three gains from the intercepts, mm-hmm. like very little was showing up there. Um, but as we've got to on this podcast before, it's not always about what shows up on the defender's stat sheet that um, tells you about how they played. So looking at a direct opponent is probably where we can see her impact.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, Janelle Fowler was very quiet especially in that second half,
1: yeah? Yeah, I mean, Fowle is obviously the best goal shooter in the league um, and, you know, we say she was very quiet. She had 15 goals in the second half, which, you know, I'd take that myself. Um, <laughs> but, you know, for, for playing the whole second half, she didn't come off the court. Um, uh, seeing that 15 goals is something that we're probably not used to seeing. Yeah. Um, and so looked across the the years of the Super Netball competition that fowl has been playing with and, Obviously, she's a consistent player player of the year four times now, I think. Um, But the amount of times she's played an entire half and scored more than 15 goals, uh, 127 times. Uh, So I found 127 halves where she's she's done that. And how many times she's played an entire half and scored 15 or less goals? Uh, Before this week, that would have been zero. So this was the first time that's, I guess, ever happened in Super Netball history.
0: Well, I think Liv Lewis needs a plaque or something to go on her locker. In yeah, the Vixen's yeah, we can, can organise that. Okay, let's, yeah. let's make that happen. I mean, you you do often, I, I did wonder watching the game how often that had happened because it just it seemed a bit like an alternate universe that they weren't able to get it into her easy. But as you mentioned just at the top there, you know, it's, it's not necessarily about what you do as a defender, but what you stop your opponent from doing. But now it's time, I guess, to have a bit of a look at the bad. The 71-58 loss to the Sunshine Coast Lightning um, at USC Stadium that we saw. Look, easily the biggest upset of the season for mine. Aaron, anyone who said they tipped this was telling fibs. If you ask me, I think we all expected the Vixens, and dare I say the Vixens probably expected to go in there and and get the W, given what we have seen from the Lightning. They really have been, by their own lofty standards, well down on on what they're able to deliver. They have had some changes in the off-season, but still a very, very good team that had only had one win. It was your top versus bottom game, Aaron. So what went so wrong?
1: Uh, Yeah, there's... You know the the good thing I think for the Vixens here is it was pretty easy to pick out what went wrong when you look at their previous wins versus this loss. Uh, we've talked about their ability to generate gains and score efficiently from these across the season, mm-hmm. uh, but in this matchup though, I'm just going to rack off a few statistics here pretty quickly, and and they're all going to be pretty similar. You know they were outgained six to eleven, and this was a season low for gains. Their gain-to-goal percentage, they were outmatched in there, 33% to 82% for the Lightning, and this was a season low for their gain-to-goal percentage. So all of that resulted in them only recording two goals from gains, which, as you might guess, was a season low. Um, this kind of travelled across to their shooting percentage as well. Um, they only shot at 84%, which has typically been around 88 to 90%, so this was another season low for the Vixens. Um, and we'll just shift it up a little bit for the last one. They had a season high for penalties, <laughs> uh, plus 11 yeah. <laughs> more than their previous high, which was in round one. So looking at this from a statistical perspective, basically everything the Vixens had been doing well this year seemed to disappear or, or shift in this match. So you can take the positive spin on this that um, you, know, you get back to the probably what was the original game plan and hopefully they can turn it around.
0: Well, I mean, those numbers certainly match what it felt like. I think fans watching at home were probably thinking... Nothing is going right here. I think that 84% accuracy figure is really interesting too because we talk about being over 80%, being a bit of a benchmark and generally you can tick along quite well shooting at that accuracy but we are so used to seeing the Vixens closer to the 90 than the 80 and it really did make a difference, especially with a couple of missed super shots. Now, quickly to Watson Watch and I must say, Lightning and credit to Kylie Byrne, they really did a job on Liz, didn't they, Aaron?
1: Yeah, this is not what we're used to for the, the regular Watson watch segment. You know, the numbers we're constantly calling out for Liz, uh, much like with uh, those team stats we were just talking about were season lows. So mm. least amount of centre pass receives, feeds and feeds with attempt for Liz Watson in this round, in this matchup. She did, however, record her highest number of second phase receives, which we spoke about on an earlier podcast being that second pass coming from the the centre pass restart. And this kind of stood out to me and was a little bit interesting because she was obviously still getting involved by recording those Mm. statistics, but it potentially demonstrated how the Lightning's defence interrupted the attacking flow of the Vixens where, you know, uh, Liz is normally getting those center pass receives, which means she's not going to be getting those second phase receives, but that was how she had to get involved in this match. Um, and maybe that was out of position for where uh they want Watson getting the ball.
0: Mm, Yeah, look, I think plenty of other sides will be studying what the Lightning did on Watson in particular, but that whole sort of front line, because they were able to disrupt that that real flow and speed that we have been able to see the Vixens put onto onto the ball. But I think also maybe um, talk about the Fever game, some other sides will probably be trying to work out how the Vixens, more than anyone, certainly at this stage of the season, have been able to find a way to beat the Fever as well. Now, as I keep mentioning, we're really keen to get Vixens fans involved as much as we can in the podcast. If you've got any questions or queries, we'd really like to hear them um, about, might be specific performances, um, all-time records uh, as we talked about with Janiel Fowler today or wondering about someone who's leading in a certain metric. Um, Aaron is a whiz at pulling all that up and sort of interpreting it for us as well so please let us know on your favourite social media platform by using hashtag the foxhunt pod and we'll look to include them in this segment which we like to call the fox answers the fans. We're getting some really great questions so please keep them coming. Today, we've got a question from a Twitter user who goes by the username Libs Bennett, who's keen to understand, and a really timely question, I think, after what was a bit of a messy round, I have to say, uh, three games in 10 days, we saw that out on the court uh, a lot of the time. So Libs is interested to understand how we might measure fatigue. So they write, I'm curious if it's possible to see the impact of a team's fatigue in the statistics. Also, the differences in penalties and turnovers in the third and fourth quarters as compared to the first two quarters. So, Libs notes in the Vixens game against the Fever, players hit the deck 13 times in total, 12 of them in the last half. Now, I'm not sure how Lib got those stats. I'm sure he was taking them at home with pen and paper, but she, um, they raise a really interesting point. How can we measure fatigue, Aaron?
1: Yeah, it's a great question from Libs and she, uh, one of my favourite netball statisticians out there on Twitter, as you mentioned, records these uh, numbers of players hitting the deck, which I think she calls the Maddie Proud statistic. love it. Maddie Proud Um, metrics. love it. And and my other favourite one, I think they've been recording the number of times we see Colin uh, pop up in the ad breaks. Much less
0: than last season, Aaron, surely. Yeah. (laughs)
1: yeah i reckon we've seen a, a drop in that not your typical stats that champion data is collecting um yeah. but interesting ones nonetheless uh, but back to the question um fatigue and its impact on statistics is interesting because you kind of expect it to show up in the numbers but when players get fatigued you know they they start playing they perhaps do start playing differently but um, you know everyone on the court's fatigued so it kind of generally doesn't show up too, too obviously, mm. I guess. Um, I, I looked at this at an, as an average across the competition. So um, in each quarter, took the average statistics for, across all of the things champion data collects and, and and took a look at that. And there wasn't a huge difference anywhere, really. There's a slight mm-hmm. increase of about one extra contact penalty in the second half on average. As
0: opposed but to this the is first pro-
1: half, hour. Yeah, as opposed to the first half, in the second half. Um, but this is really within probably normal variation. It's not something that we'd kind of pick out statistically. And then we look when we look across quarters and halves for turnovers, um, very similar in in the average number uh, across teams. So. Um, nothing really obvious coming up in the statistics there um, that you'd link to say fatigue across a match. Um, But given the discussion around fatigue and and as you mentioned, this condensed schedule over recent rounds, I sort of took a look at this um, across the first five rounds of the season. Um, And interestingly, there were some things that kind of popped out as as maybe indicative of, of what you saw in the match play. So, um, the highest average for contact penalties across rounds this year has been in rounds one and five, uh, where there have been a couple a couple of contact penalties higher than rounds two, three and four. But turnovers was probably the interesting one here, where on average, there were about two to three more turnovers per game in round five. And it was the highest average turnover number we've seen across teams for the season so far. Uh, And and this equated to a higher number of possessions for each team and probably what you saw as faster paced matches.
0: Yeah, interesting because I think turnovers are probably one of those things that instinctively we, obviously it's an error, um, but we instinctively might put down to fatigue because it's decision-making related and it can even be physically related as well when you turn the ball over. So that's really interesting to see if there was that sort of slight little um, peak, you know, in round five.
1: Yeah, and and this is where I was trying to get at with, um, you know, fatigue impacting all of the players. Like, um, you go, okay, the fatigue can impact decision-making of the people with the ball, but it can obviously also impact the defenders. And so they might not be as good at generating turnovers. Um, But, like, linking up this this reel with the feel, I, I guess it supports what you were saying that, this high number of turnovers, these faster-paced matches with more possessions. You know, it's possible that fans might have felt the games over the weekend at Round 5 were a little untidy and had this end-to-end sort of nature with a faster pace, Mm -hmm. Uh, and the numbers do provide some support for this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be interesting to maybe come back to this um, and see if this pattern persists in rounds later in the season where this same sort of schedule is present.
0: Yeah, that sort of mid-May time where we're going to have this same kind of crunch Um, again. It will be really interesting to see that. So now we are back to just one game a weekend, thank heavens... Aaron everyone can take a bit of a breath. Um so this week the Melbourne Vixens take on the Adelaide Thunderbirds back home at John Cain Arena on Saturday. Obviously the Thunderbirds are coming off a couple of really I would imagine disappointing losses for them. So one I'm sure the Vixens are looking forward to getting back on track. I do I do seem to remember I think it was in, t- in the premiership year in 2020 um, the Vixens lost to the Thunderbirds in round four, which was a real shock. And it occurred to me the synergies that there was there with Sunshine Coast Lightning having had that loss now. Maybe if we wanted to be optimistic, we say it's all part of the plan, Aaron. <laughs> this-
1: maybe there's, a, there's that saying of like you need a bad lot, you need to get that loss out of your system, right?
0: Yeah, it was certainly mentioned in the broadcast, wasn't it, that there can be positives to come to come out of a loss. So before I put you on the spot and ask you for your performance predictions for that Thunderbirds game, Aaron, let's first check how you went last week. So for the fever game, you tip at the Vixen's defense would hold the West Coast, as we talked about earlier, to their lowest score for the season so far. Big tick. Huge tick from me. Very, very impressed with that one. So their total of 66 was their lowest um, by four goals, as you mentioned. You also went into you went a bit hard. Let's be honest, you went very specific, and you said that the Vixens would keep them the fever to between 60 and 65 goals. And look, me personally, you know, there's always a bit of wiggle room when you're a journalist. There's interpretation. To me, 66, I say that's a pass for you, but am I being too kind to you, do you think?
1: Yeah, a, a little bit there. I think, like, you know, I gave my wiggle room as 60 to 65, so, okay. so that's what I allowed myself. Like, as you said, I feel like I can give myself a, a pass on part A there with Definitely. the fever scoring below 70. Uh, and I I recall saying that was my safe option. You did, um, and, and I think I should have really gone with my gut for the the second part there, where I was I was feeling sixty five to seventy, um, but I think I wanted something a little bit lower and more provocative Ooh. for the podcast. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say no that's what I, no that was my guess. <laughs> I'll I'll just stick with it and look. I think. 66, when I said 60 to 65, I'll let you be harsh on me and, and say being out by one is a miss.
0: Okay, so that's your first miss for the season. So, of course, we've got the Sunshine um, Coast matchup as well. We did briefly touched on that. Um, you focused on Laura Sherian and sadly for Vixen fans, you were well off the mark because you predicted that Kate, Eddie and co would force uh, her into a lot of turnovers and that is not what happened at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like my form here is um, mirroring the, the vixens from The weekend. Um, but in my head now, I'm feeling like Laura Sharon maybe listens to her podcast <laughs> and heard this prediction.
0: It's the only and explanation she had to... for her performance.
1: Yeah. She, she had to go out and have her best game for the season. Um, season highs for feeds, goal assists, centre pass receives, and kind of like you alluded to, a season low for turnovers. And she didn't even throw one intercepted pass. So, yes, you can say a big miss on that one.
0: <laughs> so what have you got from me ahead of round six, Aaron?
1: Well, like looking at the Thunderbirds season, it's a bit of a tale of two ends at the moment. So they have some really contrasting of statistics coming out, they've got the the lowest average goals per match um, at 51 for for scoring themselves, but they also have the lowest average goals against them per match at 50. So really sort of low scoring matches that seem to be happening with the Thunderbirds and they've only had 60 scored on them once and that was in the latest round by the Firebirds. Mm. So I think this has been a little bit driven by opponents. They had only just played the Firebirds on the weekend and they're yet to play those other sort of teams at the top like the Vixens and the Fever. The highest um, sides, yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. So they've maybe been a little bit lucky with that and, and that's where that lowest average goals against is perhaps coming from. Uh, they also have the highest per game average for unforced and general play turnovers. So being a little bit messy with the ball. Killing but then the ball. again, they also have the highest per game average for intercepts and gains. So like it, they're sort of balancing out the good with the bad. Um, But looking at how the the match is going to go with the Vixens, um, we're we're seeing the Thunderbirds generating about 19 to 20 gains a match, Um, but the Vixens are recording the lowest per game average of general play turnovers at about 18. So I'm expecting the Vixens to get back to looking after the ball following round five and keeping those turnovers below 20, despite going up against this defensive minded Thunderbirds team. And I also suspect they'll continue that scoring trend of of 60-plus goals against the Thunderbirds that the Firebirds started over the weekend.
0: Okay, well, that one's in the notepad and we will come back and hopefully you can just maintain only one error so far for the season and we can go, go, go back to hopefully just looking at one game per round. Thank you so much for your time, Aaron, and thank you everyone for listening.